0: This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro.
2: Good news, everybody. That's right. It's time once again for the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, woefully unprepared. And so today, the man that's bringing you the news that you can use the anchor of today's newscast, the one and only Chris Sinzak. What's going on, brother?
1: All this pressure. Like, I'm, and now I'm supposed to be mega prepared. Okay.
2: That's right. Your reputation's on the line. Do you stand tall with Dan Rather and Walter
1: Cronkite? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> thanks to Blabbermouth, we've got, like, all the headlines we're going to read off. And uh, this will be fun, though. We haven't done a new noise since uh, November, so it's been a little while.
2: Wow! Yeah, it has been a minute. Well, I just figured with so much craziness going on in the in the world, you know, you're supposed to get your news from many different sources and try to sort it out for yourself nowadays. But I want to tell you, you're the only news anchor that I really trust.
1: Okay, I'm glad I'm the trustworthy one.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, before we get to all the new noise that we're going to talk about this week, we're going to take care of our business real quick. And we've got some really awesome reviews that we're going to share with you because as you know if you take the time to leave us a review whether it's an apple podcast review a pod chaser review or a facebook recommendation if it's really really good which most of them are these ones today are outstanding but if it's good enough we're going to go ahead and read it on the show your name all that so let's knock a couple of these out because like i said we got some winners here today the first one's entitled A metal lifeline, and it is an Apple Podcast review. It's got all five stars, and it goes a little something like this. I came across this after traveling through some Kiss Pods. This is the only one that stuck, so I'm damn glad that I got it in my life. As a 40-something lady in the UK, not many of my friends of today were around with me back in my 80s heyday when I got into American metal. So there's very few that want to hear me bang on about the brilliance of Kiss, Crew, Van Halen, etc. Aaron and Chris take me back, keep me sane, and have me dusting off all my old cassettes and DVDs. Fantastic. I love that. That comes to us from Annie, July number one via Apple Podcast, Five stars.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's our listener, Ann Neal, out in the UK. So that came from all the way across the ocean. That's awesome.
2: That's right. Yeah, we've got two top ladies here at Decibel Geek, and it's Ann, and it is definitely Kristen.
1: Yeah, we doubled our demographic. That's awesome.
2: Not a whole lot of competition, but they're still awesome in our eyes. Great
1: review. It is. Thanks so much, Ann. That's awesome.
2: we got another one here. This one's a Podchaser review. The stars are pink, and the number is five, just the way I like it. It comes to us from Travis Wada, and it goes like this. This is my first review. I used to think that music podcast sucked until I heard you guys. This is my favorite podcast ever. Love it. That comes to us from Travis on Podchaser. Five stars. Short, sweet, but awesome.
1: Wow. That's some high praise. Although I, I have, there's a lot of good music podcasts out there. So I hope uh, the ones we've suggested over the, over the episodes, you get into some of those too. But thank you for the awesome review.
2: Yeah, very cool. If you want to leave us a review, you go ahead and do that because it means a lot to us, it helps out the show quite a bit, and we really like it. So go ahead and do that, and like I said, if it's good, we're going to read it on the show. Now, last week, we had a mega episode. Yeah, we did. Over two hours of the best albums from 2020. And you know what? When we do these lists, we always say, you know, this is something that's, you know, it's very fluid. You know, you're asking me this today, but in a couple of days I might think something else. And mm-hmm. were there any that you forgot that you came back later? Because I know it happens to me every year, but were there any that you forgot that you would have put in your top 15 that you missed?
1: Yeah. Well, there was a, there were several that listeners brought up and I'm like, I didn't even know they released a record yeah, last yeah. year. And um,
2: I think one of the major ones that people talked about was uh, the Vandenberg album. I missed that one.
1: I didn't like it. That one I, did, I gave that one a shot, but I didn't care much for it. But uh, yeah. the one that I forgot that should have made my list was the Every Mother's Nightmare record. Yep. I mean, that was, a, that was a great one.
2: And then I had two that after it was all said and done, I was like, I didn't even think of those. And they're on my iPod. They're in front of my ears all the time, but I forgot them. The new album from The Swear and the EP from the Rock and Roll Residency; mm. those would have totally made my top fifteen, and I somehow spaced them out.
1: Yeah, damn. Yeah, that, that, that and that's the challenge every every year. I think I'm thorough in what I've researched, yep. and then I end up forgetting. Yeah, yep.
2: every year it happens every single time without fail. So twenty twenty was no different.
1: But I'm still happy with what we wound up picking, and uh, you know. But there's a lot of great music out there. Hope you guys got turned on to some stuff. We had plenty of people that. You know, said that, you know, we got them to buy records by some of our picks. So I'm happy to hear that.
2: Heck yeah, that's always good news because that's what we're all about trying to keep rock and metal alive in our hearts and in the consciousness of the world. So we're doing a good job. You know, we got a lot of friends out there helping us do it, and some of our best friends. Are people that take each week's episode, whether we release the main post on Twitter or we release it on Facebook. We are still on Facebook and Twitter, right? Yeah. All right, good because a lot of people aren't.
1: <laughs> I'm not even going there.
2: <laughs> but if you take those original posts, if you share it or retweet it, then uh, you become an honorary Geek of the Week.
1: Yeah, Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Bart Pickard, The Rock and Metal Pros Podcast. David Glenn, Shea Hargett, Mike Parnell, Joseph Capone, Wayne Cross, Todd Rogers, Nick Teeter from Frontiers Records shared it. That's awesome. Had some nice, nice words for us.
2: Yeah, I saw that.
1: Uh, Bill Elam, The Bakery Podcast, Aaron Baker, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Simon Katz, Sit and Spin with Joe, Kristen Schimbeck, Daniel Lee, Doug Fox, Kevin Williams, and Obscuria Podcast, Steve, Ernesto Aguiar, Jay Shabluski, Tom Smoke, Pantheon Podcast, Keith Rockford, Kevin Northern, Eladio, J.J. McLaney, Vet Halen, and as always, The, the Mooger
2: Fooger. Nice. I probably don't have to edit that one to fit.
1: (laughs) Didn't sound in sync to me, but okay. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) You can always slide it back and forth, though.
2: That's right. That's what I did last time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Inside baseball talk. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
2: All right, as you guys know, we are part of Pantheon Podcasts. It's a pretty cool thing. They've got a just a shit ton of quality podcasts. Like Travis mentioned earlier, he thought all music podcasts sucked. Well, you know, maybe check out the... Uh awesome roster list that pantheon's got together talking about uh rock and or roll you know is one of our personal favorites our good friend bj kahuna runs that show and it's cool he's back with pantheon and you Mm -hmm. know there's a bunch other the shout out loud cast is on there there's a bunch of great ones so you know check out all our podcasting friends you know we we understand that cgcm's up there are having a a real difficult time because they can't find no beaver
1: well they've always had a hard time finding beaver
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they should be. They'll be fine. Don't worry about those guys. And, of course, our friends over at Cobras and Fire and uh, Josh Toomey is doing some pretty awesome stuff with Drag the Water. So, you know, the whole podcasting world is kind of a cool thing because... You know, a lot of different people are doing different shows and tackling rock and roll and metal from different angles and doing different things with it. And there's a lot of quality stuff out there. So if you feel like Decibel Geek's the only music podcast that you want to listen to, you can check out some other ones. You got time. You can do it. So start with Pantheon. Check out their roster. They got a whole bunch of good ones on there. And uh, yeah, we're proud to be a part of it.
1: Yep. And uh, also, you know, we've got our Decibel Geek Friday Night Live live stream that we do on uh, YouTube and Facebook. And last week was a wild one. Aaron, you missed it. Um, But uh, it was. uh, I know my liver still hurts from that night and uh but it went okay and uh but no guests this week just the three of us kicking back talking music and talking to you though cuz you that's who we want to talk to is the we like to interact with the audience and uh there'll be a lot of that this friday
2: that's right you know we've had some really cool guests on the uh friday night live with us but really our most important fun people to talk to are you guys so friday night central time around 7 you know we jump on uh figure that out whatever wherever you're at your time zone you can do the math from there and uh, uh, yeah we have a lot of fun with it i'm back this next friday night i'm looking forward to it after i took last friday night off and missed the party i feel bad about <laughs> it but i'm back this friday so we're gonna have some fun we're gonna take some calls we're gonna answer some messages we're gonna probably do uh smasher trash yep
1: we will you
2: got some smasher trash lined up for yeah, us Yeah, i'm already
1: working on that Yeah, boy did you miss a weird smasher trash last week <laughs>
2: I'm going to have to go. I haven't even had time to go back and watch what you guys had done. I'm afraid to. I
1: played one of the worst songs ever created. And it's by a person that's actually pretty famous. Oh, no. Well, I'm
2: going to have to go check that out then. So if you missed it like I did, of course, these are always available in the archives. Speaking of archives, I mean, what episode is this? 400 what?
1: 437, I think.
2: 437, holy moly, we're creeping up on 500 real quick. Yep. We got all those 437 minus this one all in the archives. We've done all kinds of cool stuff for a long, long time. Check it out. If you're new to the show, kick back to the beginning and join the whole thing. You know, Find the whole evolution. Go on the Vinnie Vincent adventure with us along the way and <laughs> all the other funny things we got to do. But uh, also, if you want to become a Decibel Geek VIP, if what you're getting here is just not enough, Chris and Aaron, you know, if the, all the archives, you know, 437 episodes, that's fine, but I'm caught up. I need more. You need to become a Decibel Geek VIP. There's all kinds of extra content over there for you, stuff we've recorded over the years. We do the Chris and Aaron show. Uh, Yeah, there's a 100-some episodes of those, and you never know what's going to be on that. We've got some Torpedo Dudes. That's Chris and I's, our very own KISS podcast. If Decibel Geek was a show only about Kiss. It would be Torpedo Dudes. That comes out twice a year. Um,
1: <laughs> more often than that. We do need to record something soon, though.
2: Uh, a little more often than that. Did we release the Ace Fraley thing?
1: <laughs> no. Uh, that's on me. <laughs>
2: hey, we got a new episode of Torpedo Dudes coming out real soon.
1: <laughs> I don't believe I released that one. I, could I don't be wrong. think so
2: either. I don't remember seeing anything oh, about gosh. it
1: being released. Sorry, guys.
2: See, we're, we're on it. We're accidentally on the case. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys know all that good stuff. You awesome people have been helping us out for a long time. Thanks to everybody that likes us on Facebook. Um, we've gone over 8,000 followers.
1: Oh, did we? That's awesome. I don't,
2: I don't know what the difference is between likes and followers, but followers were over 8,000 and likes were almost there.
1: Oh, I didn't even know that. That's great.
2: And we hold strong onto our stranglehold onto the number 10 spot of music history podcasts of all time.
1: All right. Still in the top 10. We're doing good. Not bad. Yeah, I'm happy.
2: Things are good in the world of Decibel Geek. We're very happy and happy to be doing this with you guys here today. So, Mr. Newscaster, give us the news. All right. What do we got going on in the world that's important?
1: Well, it's important to us and what what we talk about. So uh, right. this, this is uh, former David Lee Roth guitarist Brian Young. His quote is, working with him wasn't easy. Hmm. What era did, what albums and stuff did Brian Young play on? Well, I'll tell you. So during an appearance on the latest episode of the Rock and Roll Icons with Bodie James podcast. That's a new one. I haven't heard of that one. Guitarist Brian Young reflected on his experience playing with Roth for a four-year period in the early 2000s. So probably no albums, but just toured with him. He said, It was great to be in the David Lee Roth band. You basically got to go through this boot camp to toughen you up. I wouldn't say he's difficult, but he expects a lot and he's demanding. And he's a perfectionist for everyone else, even for himself. So working with him wasn't easy. He continued, I heard about his mood swings before I joined, but I didn't see a single one for the first month. Then finally, when it happened, it was like, okay, he can get where it's like a volcano erupting. So he is kind of a little bit of an up-and-down mood swing type thing, but when he's in a great mood, it's the coolest hang you'll ever have in your life. And when he's in a bad mood, it's a bummer. But like I said, the good thing is it's training ground. After you play with him for a while, you can handle anything.
2: I suppose so, because, I mean, getting a gig with david lee roth and really any iconic front man you know in back in the day it used to be like chuck berry or whoever would just travel by themselves and the band would be there ready to go so you're you're a part of something that needs to work perfectly you know for david roth to be able to do his thing out front and make it as good as possible so i gotta imagine yeah of course david Lee roth's gonna be a perfectionist in that situation because i chose you you're good enough i'm paying you So what's the problem here? You know, so in a situation like that, you know, it doesn't sound like mood swings. I mean, if he's cool for the first month and then all of a sudden something goes wrong and he blows up, I mean, he held it for a month.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I don't know if that's a mood swing or just having a bad moment, which we all do. Right.
2: Yeah. Everybody's got moments like that.
1: Yeah. Although... Yeah, don't listen to Sammy Hagar talk about touring with Roth cuz it's it's a different story. Oh man. A,
2: yeah, that guy just whines and whines.
1: You can go on um YouTube and watch the VH1 did a special on that tour when it happened. It's pretty entertaining.
2: Yeah, and really what that all boils down to is, you know, and people love Sammy Hagar, people hate him, people everybody loves Dave. But uh you know, Dave is a performer and I think Sammy sees himself more as a musician. Sammy'd be more comfortable with an acoustic guitar sitting on a chair playing some songs, where David Lee Roth's never gonna do that. You know, he's gotta jump around, he's gotta he's gotta be the front man, he's gotta be David Lee Roth. And these two things don't really coexist very well because they're so different, you know. So yeah. where David Lee Roth is going, I'm gonna put on a show, I'm gonna show these people what it's all about. Sammy Hagar's going, why you got
1: to be like that man (laughs) well yeah my my one of my favorite david lee roth quotes is sammy throws a party i am the party
2: party. yeah that's that's true you know i I believe that sums it up
1: yeah (laughs) um all right so next story deaf leopard launches first ever digital rock and roll museum called the deaf leopard vault did you hear about this huh no so this is like As we've talked about in the past, like, if you're a fan of a band, you want to get that behind-the-scenes stuff and, and, you know, the stuff that is in their vault. So let me read a little bit of this article. After amplifying anticipation for its grand opening via their social channels, legendary British rock-and-roll icons, Def Leppard will officially unlock the Def Leppard vault. The band has uploaded innovative living and breathing digital museum with a treasure trove of history, including never-before-seen photos, products, video, audio commentary interviews and more they will continue to personally curate and regularly update this online destination as a hub for their past present and future it will grow with their careers they consistently add new artifacts and content through the next weeks months and years
2: that's pretty cool i like that
1: this should be something that more of these classic bands do because it's a money it's an obvious money maker
2: Yeah, if you're a big enough fan, say, for for example, Def Leppard, if you're a huge Def Leppard fan, you know, yeah, you'd be all about that. I mean, that's the one thing I always like is when a band goes, oh, we found some stuff you know we found this old stuff we found this old audio these old demos that never songs that never made it onto the, the debut album or whatever the case may be you know that's that's fascinating stuff to me because i love first off a lot of these bands def leppard you're not getting a really good new album from them you know but you go back to the classic era and that music is just the best and so mm-hmm. if i can hear some more songs from that era oh i love it for sure and there's a lot of bands that I would love to have be able to have something like that with.
1: I'm looking at the the site right now. Well, this is some of the stuff is just straight up free. Hmm. Wow. So this is actually even cool. Well, then they have like a t- bunch of t. They have a t-shirt like museum. But yeah, this is all free. Wow. They're not even charging money for this. Well, that's cool. That's pretty crazy. Wow. That's this is cool. Well, in
2: that case, I'm going to definitely check it out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's got, like, pictures of all the jackets they wore on the on the road. It's got... Yeah, this is neat, man.
2: And where is that at? Uh
1: LeopardVault.com. LeopardVault.com. All you got to do is give them, like, your email address and stuff, and, and then they'll let you in. But, yeah, there's tons of pictures of them on the road, pictures of stage-worn clothing. Yeah, it's literally like an online museum, and they're not charging money for this.
2: That's awesome.
1: But KISS could do this and, and charge, you know five bucks a month or something and and make a killing
2: yeah especially like you say it's it's never before seen things you know people love that i love that
1: yeah i this is uh yeah it's it's a great idea more bands really should do this stuff if thin Lizzy did something like this i'd pay for that this might be a template for su- stuff that other bands can do because it's probably not that expensive to put these things up and you can make some money on it
2: Yeah, I would think so. You know, all you got to do is go through your attic.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
2: See what's up there. You've been talking about, listen here, bands. You've been talking about cleaning out your attic forever. Your wife's been bugging you. You know, just do it. You can start launching digital rock and roll museum.
1: Yeah. All right. So, uh, some Black Sabbath news, uh, the Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules deluxe editions are going to include previously unreleased recordings and those are coming out soon. Yes, I
2: love that. I love the Black Sabbath deluxe editions. I got a bunch of the ones with Ozzy and it's got like weird stuff on it. Songs with different lyrics, you know. It's it's cool. I love the Sabbath deluxe editions when they come out. I definitely look forward to this one.
1: Yeah, and um, Rhino Records is putting these out, and they usually do a really great job with these things. So, uh, each album is going to be available on two CDs for nineteen ninety eight, or two LPs for thirty one ninety eight. Uh, each also, due to space constraints, both vinyl editions will include a selection of bonus material from the CDs. Music will be available down streaming and download. Uh, the rare live a rare live version of Heaven and Hell and a previously unreleased live version of the Mob Rules are both available today as digital singles and can be streamed. That's cool. This the Heaven and Hell Deluxe adds several bonus tracks that have never been released in North America, including versions of Children and Children of the Sea and Die Young recorded in 1980 in Hartford, Connecticut.
2: That's what I'm talking about.
1: The set concludes with live rarities like. E-5150, and Neon Knights that originally appeared in 2007 on the Rhino Handmaid's Limited Edition Collection Black Sabbath Live at Hammersmith Odeon. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty cool.
2: I love me the unreleased recordings. Stuff that's got different angles on songs and different... Like I said, some of the Sabbath ones I got have, like... uh, well, they got one it's a weevil woman instead of evil woman and it's got different <laughs> lyrics to it yeah it's there's they did some weird stuff and recorded it and i'm glad they did keep it coming wouldn't mind seeing a black sabbath digital rock and roll museum
1: that would be cool too yeah that's uh that's exciting i'll probably buy those i'll probably get them on vinyl uh all right next story this the other jeff Pilson uh responding to Don Dawkins' criticism of his Heavy Hitters album. You know about the Heavy Hitters album, right?
2: Heavy Hitters is the album that George Lynch did with Jeff Pilson, but they're like taking pop songs, yeah. popular pop songs, and making them heavy, right?
1: Yeah, like Carol King's I Feel the Earth Move, Prince's Kiss, Champagne Supernova, and It's the End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. Well, so to backtrack a little bit, Don was on the classic metal show with Chris Aiken last month and, know. and he brought up the album. He says last, one. he named some of the songs that are on the record. And Don said, "But those are not heavy hitters. No offense, they are good songs. But those are vanilla tunes." He goes, "Did they rock them up and put some shredding guitar solos in them? They must be really bored." But you know, everybody's got their mantra. Everybody's got their financial things. I guess if a record company's willing to give you money to put out pablum, then put out the pablum. But I hope my standards as a songwriter are a little higher than that. If I'm going to do a remake, I'm going to do something that was super cool like Paint It Black or Revolution or something that's awesome and do something like that. I'm not going to do Carol King.
2: Eh, you know, we I always criticize this, too. I don't like it when bands do covers of Paint It Black and Revolution right. because everybody's done covers of those songs.
1: And you're not going to improve on it. You know, No, because everyone I mean, you loves can, the original.
2: Like you said, you can you can heavy it up and add guitar solos to it, but you know you're not going to beat the originals with those. And, and even if you do, well, you might not beat that band's version or that band's version or that band's version because they've all done covers of those songs. So I think it's kind of cool what Pilson and Lynch did. You know, they took outside the box songs because I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I hear pop songs and go, "That could be metal." You know, yeah. that could be arranged to be a metal song um over the years i've heard a lot of pop songs i thought well that'd be cool and every once in a while you hear a band do a cover like uh, local h covering toxic by britney spears you'd never know it was a metal song by listening to britney spears but when local h does it and rocks it out with distorted guitars it's actually a badass tune yeah so i think it's kind of cool and creative what pilsen and lynch are doing and i really kind of want to check that album out
1: well and and before I get to Pilsen's response, there's another quote from Don in here, and this is this one's funny. He goes, a I don't... Pablum. Yeah, pablum. That's that's a big word.
2: I don't even know what it means, but I don't think it's
1: positive. <laughs> no, it's definitely not. Uh, he said, he says, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on with those guys, Don added. I don't really talk to them much. Lynch and I, we talk once in a while because he always wanted to move to Santa Fe. That's his dream. He always wanted to come to New Mexico, and I said, hey, you're welcome to con- come on up and stay in the Casita as they call him up here, a casita, the guest house. And if you want to go hike, he hikes. He's a hiker. So I've got 13 acres. He can get lost very easily. I'm not going looking for him. What? (laughs) So you took that the same way I did. I'm like, are you hoping that George will go walking for a hike and get lost and never come back? What's going on with that quote?
2: And it just so happened to be on your property, and they look at you and go, okay, so there's been a history of uh, verbal abuse here. (laughs) You're suspect number one, Don Dockin. <laughs>
1: exactly. Sorry, so Jeff Pilson was asked to respond to the comments during an, interv- an another interview with Rock and Roll Icons with Bodie James. I'll have to check this show out. He said, hmm. uh, first, let me, give, let me give Don his due here. I'm sure he didn't hear it, and honestly, I'm not really concerned if he does or doesn't. But having not heard it, if I saw that list of tunes, I would say, yeah, there's some vanilla tunes in there. So that critique of his is true. The whole idea was to take tunes like that and make them cool, which I believe we did. I don't want to go into Don's mind right now, he continued. Yeah, I know him really well, and yeah, I have an opinion of his modus operandi and what he's thinking. God, these guys with their big words. Yeah. Let's put it this way. I wouldn't expect Don to say something nice about somebody he views as competition. I don't view him as competition. We're all musicians trying to do our thing, so I'm not going to second-guess Don or try to get in his mind because I still love the guy. I really do, but he's always been like that. He will always critique things. That's his thing. That's fine. I wasn't so flattering as some of his docking records that he's done in the last couple of decades. <laughs> he said, Yeah, I still love Don, but I'm not doing this to please him.
2: Wow. Yeah. Even when they're apart, the drama cannot be quelched ever.
1: And that's a lot it's a lot for for uh, Jeff Pilson to kind of speak up like that.
2: But I wonder if there really are any docking fans out there that are like, you know, screw Jeff Pilson and George Lynch. I hate those guys now that they're not in Don's band anymore i doubt it i doubt it too i can't imagine docking fans being so hardcore that you would think that you know oh the other version of this is or would the band with the other guys in it is competition to me now
1: yeah i don't know it's uh but it does drum up good publicity for the uh for the new record (laughs) yeah So I'm trying, i guess yeah. it's in the
2: news probably, It made the news so
1: and i'm sure several people checked out those songs just based on those quotes
2: yeah probably so because you think what carol king cover that ain't gonna be whoa you know that i see it i see some of those songs being rocked out end of the world as we know it i, I guess i'd have to hear it to believe it but some of them other ones maybe
1: yeah so that's uh that's that. Um some Scott Rockenfield from Queensryche News. Here's somebody we haven't heard from in a long time. Hmm. So you know do you know what's been going on with him? Like he, he kinda disappeared, he hasn't done anything since like twenty seventeen with the band.
2: Like Vinnie Vincent disappeared, like off the face of the earth or just kind of well, stayed away from music a little bit.
1: To a point, like he he hasn't said anything publicly, and a lot of people are like, "What the hell's going on with Scott?" Because the band hasn't come out and said that he's out of the band or anything. But until recently, but he's the, he came out with a statement to to actually yesterday or today. Scott Rockenfield has shot down suggestions that he quit or retired from playing music. The drummer, who hasn't performed with the band in four years, took to his Facebook page earlier today to write, "Want to hear a fun story?" Goes like this. Contrary to any statements or interviews coming from other parties, I most definitely did not and have not quit, walked away, retired, or abandoned Queensryche with a lot of exclamation points. Unfortunately, you have not been given the facts by any means. A total cliffhanger right? More soon. It's the first time he's publicly addressed his status in the band since April of 2017. Uh, When his absence was first announced, it was reported that he was taking time from the band's touring activities to spend time with his young son, who was born that year. The drum tracks on the latest album, The Verdict, were laid down by singer Todd Latore, who used to be a professional drummer. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, and in an interview in February 2019, Todd stated uh, on why he had to play drums. He said, Scott had a baby in 2017, and he took paternity leave, which we totally support, no issue with that. And then that just turned into six months, nine months, 12 months, hey, when are you going to come back? And we just never got an answer, so that's why I played drums on the record, because... All I did, I did all the demos with these guys, and it just made logical sense. I'm capable, and my skills are totally adequate to fulfill that role. So, it's uh, it's weird though. It sounds like he hasn't talked to the band since back then either.
2: Yeah, that is kind of weird to like not answer the phone, but then say, "Well, I didn't quit or, or walk away." You think about that with any job, you know, your job tomorrow, wherever you're going, you just you just don't show up, you know, or you say, "Hey, I'm going to take a couple of days off." And then, you know, I'll be back next week. And they say, okay, cool. You're going to use your vacation days? Yeah, I'm going to use my vacation days. All right, cool. And then at the end of that week or whatever, you just don't come back. Yeah. And what are they going to do? You know, they got to replace you you or they're going to try to call you, but you don't answer. Yeah. And then what do you do? Come back a couple months later and be like, hey, I never quit my job. I never walked away, retired or abandoned my job. And they say, well, what the hell happened to you then?
1: Yeah, it's really odd. I mean, that band has turned into such a saga, you know, because, you know, Tate's not in the band, DeGarmo's not in the band, now I guess Scott Rockenfield's not in the band, so it's Michael Wilton and Eddie Jackson, and then, you know, Todd LaTorre and these other guys. So it's, wow. it's a weird situation. They've turned into L.A. Guns, I guess.
2: Kinda. Queensryche's always had kind of a weird thing, you know, with guys fighting, and there's a lot of drama in that band.
1: Yeah, I guess nobody got uh, threatened with a knife, at least.
2: They all need to just take a nice, relaxing drive through the vineyards of Northern California.
1: So, um, some sad news this past week. Uh, Marsha Zazula, wife of Johnny Zazula, and she basically was the co-owner of Megaforce Records, passed away this past week. I'm yeah. sure you heard about that.
2: Yeah, I saw that, man. That's sad, real sad, because she is legendary.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, she died on January 10th at the age of 68, and, uh, yeah, it was one of those when I saw it, I was just like genuinely bummed. And I really feel bad yeah. for Johnny Z because, you know, he, yeah. he, he's he got to be a mess over this. Um, but but uh, James Hatfield, he uh, paid tribute to her today online. And he said in a statement, Marsha Z is the metal matriarch of the East Coast. She was our mother when I had none. She made great sacrifices for Metallica to grow. Thank you, Marsha. Love and positive energy to the Zazula family. So that's... Uh, nice tribute and uh yeah they co-founded megaforce in 1983
2: yeah and that was a big deal at that time because there were so many good bands that were on megaforce the up-and-coming metal when it was still new and exciting and you have bands like metallica you know and overkill and even fraley's comet you know were were a part of that and big part of my youth i know for sure if nothing else for the fraley's comet album but so many others too
1: yeah so that's a that's a sad loss to the metal world. She was a she was a big part of everything that, that launched off of the 80s, so uh, sad news.
2: Yeah, as far as metal goes, for sure. Our hearts go out to Johnny Z and the rest of the Force family.
1: And uh, in kind of M- Metallica-related news, Dave Mustaine has revealed the tentative title of the new Megadeth album.
2: All right, new Megadeth. I'm excited for this. What are they going to call it?
1: As part of appearance this past Saturday's Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp Masterclass, he said about the follow-up to 2016's Dystopia, the tentative album title we have right now is called The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. We may change that because there's some other titles, and I usually change titles four or five times before I settle on anything. Hmm. So as of now, that's the title of the record.
2: That's a pretty good Megadeth sounding name.
1: Yeah, it's timely, too. Yeah,
2: that's true, too
1: and i've heard they've written a ton of stuff for this record so uh, i I'm, I'm excited dystopia was great and uh, yeah. if it's even in the same ballpark as dystopia i'll be happy
2: i'm betting it's going to be better as as good as dystopia was because man that was a hell of an album this one's got to be even yeah. better i think
1: yeah and D- you know dave's been through a lot of shit so it's going to be interesting to see what uh what the lyrics reflect on this record cuz you know he went through the cancer and everything right. so and also i'm sure the past year has inspired a lot of lyrics, so uh, it should be interesting to hear what we get from Megadeth, and hopefully it'll come out, I'm thinking it'll probably come out in the next year. It sounds like they've gotten a lot of work already yeah, done. Yeah, and that's
2: why I'm banking it's going to be so good, because of the, everything Dave went through, and like you said, you know, the Megadeth was never one to shy away from mixing political views and feelings into their music, so yeah, they got plenty to choose from this last year. It's probably going to be an angry album
1: i was listening to Endgame game the other day that album's very underrated
2: yeah that is a good one there's some really good songs on that
1: yeah that period i like that period of the band i there was you know they like they get i'll take i'll take megadeth output you know post 1991 over metallica's
2: i'll agree with that yeah yeah mm-hmm, for sure even risk
1: <laughs> and um, well that's the one we don't want to talk about um
2: yeah, and Megadeth, like or like you said, Metallica's been bringing it back, though.
1: Yeah, I guess so. So, uh, interesting uh, quotes from Accept guitarist Wolf Hoffman this past week. In an interview with Hard Rock Haven, he reflected on the band's ill-fated late 1980s period when they were fronted by singer David Reese.
2: Oh, yeah, the Accept glam era. Reese was
1: recruited for Accept's Eat the Heat LP in 1989 following Udo's departure his higher-pitch delivery was in sharp contrast to Udo's distinctive style, and overall the album was a critical and commercial disappointment, even though I love the record. Um,
2: I know you do. I don't care for it, especially compared to the rest of the Accept albums. Yeah. Uh,
1: asked by Hard Rock Haven what he thinks of this particular record, Wolf said, well, it was a dark time in the history of Accept. I would say that all of the 90s were very difficult and, in a ver- and very dark in a way, and I don't even like to think about it so much. If only you journalist guys didn't constantly ask me about it, I would never even think about it, (laughs) because it was just a time when heavy metal was going through a very dark period. The traditional sound was out of style, and nobody wanted to listen to it, so it was sort of searching for a new direction, especially in the 90s. Eat the Heat came out at the beginning of that era, and it was meant to be a new chapter, but it just never panned out, because basically everything went wrong with that album and it's just something you go through in life. I don't see why I still have to defend myself in a way. People always ask me this question almost in a provocative way as if I have to defend myself about this album. It's ridiculous. It's almost like people have to apologize that they like it. (laughs) He continued, there's something about this album that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, and they have such a strong opinion about it. It's sometimes laughable. In my mind, it had some fantastic songs, but it was just never executed properly, and it was not meant to be. But over the years, I've met so many fans who said exactly the same thing. Man, I really want to apologize, but I really like this album. I know nobody likes it, but I think it's great. And I think that's that's so bizarre. If you like it, you like it. It's so strange that people are so opinionated about it. It's just music. That's
2: funny, but it's not just music.
1: Yeah, but he's like, you can like it or not, but it's not more than that. In any case, it wasn't the period of time that I like to even think about much because it was very difficult.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. In retrospect, I'm sure they'd have done it totally differently. I mean, really, if you look back at that time, before Eat the Heat came out, they could have went one of two ways. We can go sunshine and rainbows, or we can go really dark. And they decided to go to what they thought was the happening thing on MTV and all that, the Sunset Strip, all all this, but not knowing that right around the corner that's all about to crash right in retrospect if they have took a darker turn got a different kind of singer you know that was more less was less like david reese you know david reese was a great singer mm-hmm. talented guy just wasn't the right fit for the band you know and it really it hurt them because any anything they could have carried forward because there were some bands like that like motorhead i mean they didn't get hurt that bad by it because their fans knew them, loved them. You know what you're going to get with a Motorhead album. ACDC, they didn't get hit too bad because people know them, they love them, you know what you're going to get with an ACDC album. But Accept was a little bit tougher because as big as they are in Europe, they were never that huge in the United States Mm. outside the song Balls to the Wall. Yeah. So when, without the foresight of knowing the bottom's about to fall out of this whole glam rock scene they just went with what they thought was going to work you know you're stuck in a situation where you have to replace your singer he's leaving you got to replace them. You go, okay. You know what's going to help us survive. You know because losing your signature sound, you know your, which you know except the guitars are really the signature sound. But Udo's such a unique singer and yeah. has such an awesome delivery that it's a blow to lose a guy like that. So you got to think what's going to carry us through. You know what's going to help us survive because at that point it's not just hey we got to come out with a new album that's good. I mean, this band's got to survive, you know, we got to know that we can do it without Udo, even though he was such a huge part of it, and it's a chance you take, you know, you go with what you think is popular, or you just stick to your guns and do what you do, but, you know, to apologize for liking an album, I mean, I get it. Chris, yeah. you owe somebody an apology
1: <laughs> i don't apologize for liking it you know i'm i'm taking his advice i don't i if i met him i wouldn't say i know you hate it but i or i know it people hate it but i love it why would you do that if you like it you like it but i don't you know and i don't blame him for trying to do it because you know udo leaves them in a bad position and like who are you going to get that has that type of voice for that style yeah and they were probably like well this is what's popular now. We should give it a shot. I don't, you can't blame them for trying. You know they, They're just wanting to break through. And it's got some great songs on it. I think Generation Clash is a great fucking song.
2: I mean, it's, it's all right. There's some good stuff on there. When I see Wolf Hoffman next time, I'm going to tell him, man, I'm really sorry. Eat the Heat sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking, man? <laughs> it is by far the worst Accept album
1: i don't know if i'd say that i like it
2: yeah it is
1: but i but then again this goes back to last week where i got a metric ton of shit from people for liking the new Marilyn manson album like where did you well yeah because they're like where were you for the last two albums that were awesome and i'm like i didn't like i didn't think they were awesome
2: well they weren't awesome either and neither was this one
1: well i like i like it (laughs) made my list Uh, what would
2: happen if except would have went like dark if they'd have got you know real industrial. heavy, I don't know about industrial because you know those things you can't you can't know what's going to happen in the future. You know you can't know that this is doomed to tank. What if they who could they have gotten? Who would have been a good singer? to replace Udo if you weren't going to go in the glam rock direction. If they were
1: going to go heavier than what they were?
2: What if they'd have found a guy that was kind of along the same lines as, like, a Phil Anselmo?
1: They'd have to change up their sound for sure.
2: Yeah, but Accept is still a good... I mean, a lot of that stuff... A lot of the Accept, is to me, is metal music. I mean, it's real heavy. So, I mean, they could have done it.
1: Yeah, I don't know who you would get, though. I mean, Anselmo would be an interesting choice. Or maybe uh, it'd been interesting to hear what like Zetro from Exodus singing for them.
2: Yeah. Or how cool would it have been if they'd have been able to find the singer they have now when they were looking to replace Udo the first yeah. time? Yeah. Yeah. T-T-, I mean, Tt quick was around. A, yeah, and he's a perfect singer for Accept. You know, I love the old stuff, but the new stuff is killer too. It's it's the same, but it's different. You know, but it's
1: all damn good. I view them in the same vein as I view Striper as far as quality of material being put out now. You know, yeah. I I think they do great stuff now. If if you're a die-hard Accept fan, I can't imagine you would be that material-wise. I can't imagine you'd be that let down. Now, Obviously for the lineup, you're probably like, you know, where's Peter and the other guys, but you know, of course we're happy because two of our friends are in the band now. Yeah.
2: But again, if you look at it like that, you know, you can't really complain because they're putting out some of the best music they've ever put out, you know, and on the level of the classic stuff, I think, as far as quality goes. And I am super stoked for that new album to be coming out real soon.
1: Yeah, but it'll be no Eat the Heat, though.
2: I sure hope not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, i know most people are hoping not all right yeah I've told, i told i think the last time we had philip on the show i was like you gotta convince you gotta convince wolf to start putting eat the heat songs in the set And he's like uh, no i'm not doing that
2: i know and anyway. i'm sitting over here rolling my eyes while you're saying that shit to him
0: <laughs> i'm sure you are
1: oh man all eat right the next, heat. next story Goran Edmund reflects on working with Ingve Malmsteen in the early 1990s. There's some, some very qu- interesting quotes in this one.
2: And there were ups and downs. Yes. But mostly downs. <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, he was on the 80s Glam Metal Cast podcast, and he, his quote was There were ups and downs. I'm glad I did it. It meant a lot for my career to be on those two albums. I still have work because of doing these albums. I still have a career because of the reputation from those two albums, but as a person, he was kind of tricky. He could be very nice, and he could also be an asshole. Hmm. Doing the first Eclipse album and going out on a world tour, that was nice, but Fire and Ice was like hell. I had no inspiration. I didn't have the same sort of inspiration anymore because he really wanted to be in charge this time, and it was a little bit of sloppy. During the recordings of Eclipse, he was never present. He was out drinking, partying, and showing up late to the studio when we were all done, more or less. So the engineer was helping out a lot with the producing of the album and the harmonies and the choirs. I remember Yngwie thought that Eclipse was overproduced. Too many harmonies and everything. It shouldn't happen. On Fire and Ice, it should be a more raw and live feeling over the whole album and less production. That was his thought anyway. So he tried to be more present and control the situation more. He says, uh, regarding his involvement in the songwriting process, he says, I was helping out with some melodies and lyrics. Sometimes he scribbled down something, some words here and there. This song is going to be about this or that, and then I had to fill in the words. He just had the title for a song, more or less. I think I had credits for 12 songs. I even had to threaten to sue him to get the money, even if I had a contract and everything. It was obvious, black and black and white written on the document. Nothing happened. I didn't get any money at first. Fortunately, in Sweden, we are very organized in the union and everything, so I was a member of the Swedish Music Association. And they helped me with an attorney, paid for everything. The process took three years or so before we got him to pay the money. Dang! If I, if I would have paid for that an attorney myself, it would have cost a fortune. But the Swedish Music Association helped me to finance the whole process.
2: Wow. Pretty wild. You know, that's one of them things where you're looking back on it at the time. You're going, this sucks. But I bet you when you're older and you're looking back on it, you're going, those were some of the best times of my life.
1: Oh, and then here's some other stuff. Like the lesson he learned from all these things with attorneys and everything was that never let a vocalist make a melody again or write a lyric again because then everything is getting out of my hands. I think his empire is controlled by him and his wife now, so he's trying to distance himself from the rest of the band more or less. He mentioned that, he mentioned that to us in the old times too, that we are just cattle driving on a bus and that nobody would ever notice if we quit the band or not because they're all focused on his guitar playing and on him as the artist. So we're supposed to do what we are told and shut up, more or less. That was his attitude from the beginning, and now he finally established that kind of rule.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it does say Ingvae Melmstein on the marquee.
1: Oh yeah he he's a uh, he's a total dictator as far as his band situation goes.
2: That's the way it goes though. When it's not a band, you know, when it's not when it's not this is the band Melmstein, you know, or something like that. When it's your name. You're the guy, you know, and so you kind of can be like that. And to a certain degree, he probably is right, because when you go to a Yngwie Malmsteen concert or whatever, you're not going to see the bass player. You're going to see Yngwie Malmsteen, 99% of the people going, I would think.
1: But still, not a great leadership skill to openly tell your band that you guys are just like cattle.
2: Well, no, I guess not. (laughs) Not if you're trying to build good esteem on your teammates, you know.
1: (laughs) You would think you'd want the band to at least be happy that they don't, you know, the boss is not a prick. (laughs) So, right.
2: But if it talks about him going, okay, oh, shoot, I got to write all my own songs because otherwise I got to share credit, you know, that's. That's taking it a little far, maybe. Yeah. That's a great idea. We won't be using it, but it's a great idea.
1: Right. So uh, another story, Suspect 208 parts ways with singer Noah Weiland. This is a case of like father, like son, apparently.
2: Yeah, I heard about this.
1: Yeah, uh, so Suspect 208, which includes drummer London Hudson, who's the son of Slash, 16-year-old bassist Ty Trujillo, the son of Robert Trujillo, announced it's looking for a new vocalist. The group wrote, Singer Wanted, requirements age 18 to 24, must live in L.A. To submit your audition, DM us your cover of Black Dog by Led Zeppelin and list three musical influences. And a few hours later, they issued the following statement, As many of you know, we we let our singer Noah go. We were really close to him, and it's the last thing we would have ever wanted to do, but it had to be done for his safety as well as the longevity of the band. This decision was made by the band because it was the last thing we could do to keep going. Noel was ru- not writing lyrics or lifting his weight in the band for the last two months before we let him go. He was heading down a dark path of drug use that got in the way of our friendship as well as the band. Lastly, there were many instances of blow-ups over very small issues we'd confront him with. We wish him the best and we deeply care about him. However, we did as much as we could to help him. Uh, that's sad. That
2: it's sad.
1: And... um. I hate to say it's not surprising because you know, addiction can be a very genetic thing and the amount that that kid witnessed that his father went through before passing away tragically, um, that's got to be a mind fuck. So I do hope this kid gets help the help he needs.
2: Yeah, it's got to be tough. I mean, but even at that, you would think maybe, you know, if you grow up in that situation, you would hope that the kid would go, you know, I've lived this. I see how it ends. You know, I don't want to go down that same path you know i can't be my dad because you know my it killed him you know it killed my dad so i should know you know what it's going to do to me too but you know that's not always the way that works that's not the catch-all for something like that
1: Uh, i'm thinking there there might be some emotional depression related issues there that are causing him to turn to drugs which is it's like a vicious cycle. Um, but yeah, hopefully hopefully he gets his stuff together. And because of what the one song I heard, he sounded like a really talented singer. So. Yeah,
2: they sounded like they mm. really had some good stuff going for themselves, you know, and it's too bad. You know, that's something you're going to another thing, too. You know, you're going to look back and go, man, you know, why did I let that go? Yeah.
1: I hope he gets it together because that's, uh, that, I was really bummed out to read that. All right. So uh, we made it this long without a kiss related story, but now we're going to do one.
2: Okay, good because I was starting to worry.
1: <laughs> Gene Simmons has partnered with Gibson for a new electric guitar and bass collection. He mm. uh, has entered into a joint venture with Gibson, uh, to the America's number one gold gold record. went up, uh, we know, we get it. Um, to create G squared, G squared from Gene to Gibson will introduce new collections of right and left-handed electric guitars and basses across Gibson's Epiphone and Gibson and Epiphone and Kramer brands and develop new entertainment content that will be streamed to millions of fans worldwide on multiple online and social platforms. To kick off the collaboration, G-Squared will release the new G-Squared Thunderbird bass later this year. The Thunderbird bass, which will be available in ebony and silver appointments with ebony with blood red, Made its worldwide debut at Kiss's concert in Dubai. I saw a little bit of that, and then Gene's got a whole thing about how great Gibson is. I'm not going to bother reading that quote, but uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Then they ha- they have plans for a flying V bass and flying V guitar, also. Hmm. You seen the pictures of the the bass?
2: Um, I think so. If it was the one he was playing in Dubai, I did see yeah. a picture of him with that. It's a
1: cool looking guitar. Yeah it's it's hey gene's doing something musical can you believe it yeah that's true but uh yeah it should be interesting to see and uh they say yeah, cesar Gikian from gibson brands who's right here in nashville he's the person that uh put the whole thing together so it's kind of cool that local gibson is going to be working with gene simmons i like it
2: yeah that is cool i like to see gene simmons out there doing stuff you know keeping alive and like you say the how much longer they're going to be touring i don't know forever maybe gene sims got to sell some guitars to get ready for retirement
1: oh i didn't have this in our list of stuff to talk about but speaking of kiss um bruce Kulick put there was an interview with bruce Kulick that came out today i don't i can't remember who it was with right now but man it's a super long interview and he really opens up about uh about his brother's passing and uh yeah, the cliff notes version is basically they when they got all the results back, they found that it was basically like a, it was a heart defect that mm-hmm. caused caused his death. It was no was no overdose, no suicide or anything like that. So it was it was a natural death.
2: That's well, good to know that. I know it was kind of a mystery for a while because I mean, I remember when he passed away, when it was just shortly thereafter and everyone was like, well, "What happened to him? What happened to him?"
1: Yeah. That he was, you know, he was living alone at the time. He did his girlfriend broke up with him like a few months before. So but Bruce was just like, you know, he was he was angry at a lot of things. He was going through a lot of emotional times and he's like and then add a pandemic on top where he can't really do what he needs to do for his job. Yeah. You know, he's like no he's like he it's like the old story of a, a husband dying and then the wife dies a week later. It's like he it's not gonna say they died of a broken heart, but that type of stress can take you out, you know.
2: Yeah, it's a lesson to all of us.
1: Yeah, he's uh he's handling all of his affairs and they've been going through all this stuff and he said it's he's at, more at peace now with it than he was cuz you know they were they were going through a real feud when all this right. went down. Yeah. Um and he also mentioned that uh that he doesn't have details on when Kiss's last show will be but he does he said he knows he'll be a part of it. Oh. Well, that's, that's cool. A little, little bit of news there.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you're going to do one last hurrah should get everybody, except Vinny Vincent.
1: Yeah, we know one person that's not going to be there. Paul Stanley will see to that.
2: Yeah, nobody <laughs> wants that.
1: All right, so one more silly story, because I thought this would be funny to get your reaction. Um, okay. You, you know how you didn't really appreciate what Elton John did to Ozzy's record last year?
2: Oh, no. What did Elton John do now?
1: Well, Miley Cyrus has tapped Elton John for a cover of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters. Oh, Lord. Lord, help us all. Now they're going to ruin Metallica, too.
2: Well, shit. I told you, Elton John, stay away from my metal. You got no (laughs) place getting near any of it. You either, Miley Cyrus.
1: Yes, yeah, so the pop star discussed the project during an appearance on the UK radio show Capital Breakfast with Roman Kemp. She said, "I did a Metallica cover of Nothing Else Matters featuring Elton John on piano. I've got Yo-Yo Ma, Chad Smith, so many all stars. I'm excited about this collaboration. Andrew Watt produced it, and I'm really stoked. I mean, having Elton John and Metallica and me, I love it when ingredients don't quite fit.
2: Yeah, I don't." You, you, let's let's talk about ingredients don't quite fit. Do you like to taste something? Do you like to eat something where the ingredients don't t- quite fit? No, I don't like to hear things like that. This <laughs> sounds mean, you disgusting.
1: Eat, you don't like uh, cheesecake mixed with strychnine?
2: <laughs> mm, no. Uh-uh. Yeah. And I don't like Miley Cyrus or Elton John doing covers of metal songs. It's not right. He messed it up with Ozzy. He took a song that could have been pretty cool, but then Elton John's on it. Ugh.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, I respect the guy. He's legendary and everything for what he does. You don't yeah. gotta come over here and do this too. You know, you 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 can't, you shouldn't, don't you either, Miley Cyrus. At least they picked one of Metallica's worst songs. Like we're gonna get together and we're gonna do this, but you know, just know. And when we do, we're gonna pick one of Metallica's worst songs to do it with. So it won't be so bad. Or it'll be
1: even worse. One of the two. You can imagine Elton John singing battery.
2: That's what I'm saying. That's if they really wanted to have something that they could be <laughs> online bragging about. Let's see you hear let's see here you do whiplash.
1: Yeah. Or motor breath. Yeah. <laughs> Miley Cyrus and Elton John doing motor breath.
2: Now that I want to see. Those are some ingredients.
1: Stay on your side of the pool, Elton. Uh (laughs) Well, that's all I had for news stories. uh, You ain't going to top that. Interesting week. Uh, Guys, let us know what you think of these stories in the comments section because we want to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, that's about all we got for this week.
2: Yeah, and as always, keep up with the conversations on the Facebook page. If you see some news out there you think needs to be shared, as long as it's got to do with rock and metal, and you can share it on our Facebook page. Or you could join the Decibel Geek community. A lot of good conversation going on in there, too. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's share the news with each other. Not the other news. Just just this stuff. The news you can use. The news that rocks.
1: news you can use if you
2: choose. All right. So there you have it. That's the new noise for this week. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you on Friday night for Friday Night Live, and then we'll be back next week.
1: See ya.
0: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football